and welcome. It's episode 17. I'm with my very good friend, Pascal. We are live. We're live on LinkedIn. We're live on YouTube and we're live on Facebook. Are you excited for this episode, Pascal? I am indeed. And you know what's interesting is um, we're doing this on a Friday as a live recording. And thank you again if you're joining us on a replay. My entire week, every single day has been about websites, from workshops to one-to-one -one consultancy to reviews and, and advice to from government websites to e-commerce websites to multilingual websites. But also, that's been the case. We've been waving to each other on the UK motorways this week as well. We have. We have. It's, <laughs> it's, it's fantastic that you've moved back to the UK. We're delighted that you're here uh, and um and you know stronger stronger and better together so yeah it's brilliant uh listen thank you for joining us thank you for watching thank you for listening whether you're live with us right now you're very very welcome to uh, leave some comments if you're live right now or perhaps you're watching the replay or listening afterwards and also you can leave comments um but um we are celebrating the launch of our new program and completion of the website best practice webinar series we wanted to find a way to continue to share more advice and insights about making your website work harder and for you to feel proud about your website again. Each episode, as always, contains four segments. We have the You Ask, We Answer. We have website stories. We then move on to the website engine room where we will share an app or a piece of kit or a solution that will make it easier for you, website managers or website content creators, business owners, to be able to do something on your website to make it easier for you to create content or, or create um, uh, stories on your website. And then lastly, the website call to action, one change or adjustment that you should be making to your website right now. So that's what we have planned. And really, we should step right into You Ask, We Answer. Well done again, Johnny, for the wonderful introduction and summary of what we are doing with um, this podcast, a source of inspiration, some ideas for you, so that you can find ways to be proud of your website again. This is a phrase that I really like to say and share a lot more, because I was actually very much the case, and in fact, quickly before I move on to, the, to this question, my experience of doing the workshop last Wednesday, where we began, you know, uh, just after lunch, and people were, really were almost embarrassed to give me a tour of their existing website. It, it was just one of those where I said, listen, I'm a friend, you know, I've been there, done that. My first website were awful too. But the, the, the emotional kind of challenge of the room, and by the time we finished with the workshop and we put together an action plan about those small, reasonable adjustments, they, they just couldn't wait to go back to this idea of, you know, wanting to share the URL and pointing people to their website. But to this question is an interesting one. This is, an I got an email a, a few days ago from a client of mine asking me how to remove social media icons from her website, particularly the homepage, whatever. And my reaction was, well, which one, you know, is there maybe one of the platforms that you want to step away from, which I always recommend? You're better off having a small number of social networks than all of them. And, and she said, no, no, I want to remove every single icon from my homepage. And I said, well, why would you want to do that? Said, well, I went to this conference and I was like, I was like, oh, we go. Um, so better than going down to the pub, I would say. But I went to this conference and the speaker said that one of the number one action we should all do 
is to remove all social media icons because they are a distraction. We're going to lose visitors. They add no value, and so on and so forth. And if the visitor hates a particular platform, you know, they're then going to dislike your website. And I thought that was a really extreme position to to have, but importantly, run the risk of my clients, you know, causing, you know, spending time in an activity that actually is not really making that much of a difference. So I'll share my views and, and I will tell you what I recommended in a moment. But yeah, I mean, what's your position on social media icons on websites? Are they a distraction? And should we remove them? Well, if anything, I'm still getting asked questions on how we can add Instagram feeds uh, and um, uh, and even TikTok feeds to websites. So how can how we can integrate more? So sort of it's quite an opposite view. Uh, I um I don't think there I I can't see how they're a distraction. I think they they're a way to build trust. I think they're a way to find out what's really going on behind the company. What's what's actually you know websites as we know are not necessarily showing you what's happening today whereas whereas looking on social gives you a bit more of an idea on what's actually happening today are they active what's you know what what's being currently said um and um so my instinct is that not having social um makes it more difficult for me as a client or a customer to get to know you and to buy into actually wanting to develop the conversation further uh, so yeah, and I guess uh, playing devil's advocate, if you have social media platforms that haven't been touched for five years, and or even you know even a couple of, a year, and you know there's no updates and there's nothing on them, then I guess that doesn't help. Um, so so you know it can hinder by having links to your to your social media where you just haven't do, haven't been active whatsoever. But I don't think we'd ever promote. Uh, non-active social media accounts uh, we mm. might promote just focusing on one maybe uh, but I think unfortunately social media is really important to have some kind of presence yeah I mean I have to to concur with you I thought it was just a, such an extreme view because the opposite is for me the absence of indication that you're active on social media is not helping your brand whatsoever. People would be surprised, I would say, you know, in 2023 onwards, that you don't have at least one. And I like, you know, I've seen more and more websites now with just one icon, but they put all the energy to create a, a wonderful social, um, you know, uh, media content experience. Um, and, and for me, it was more this idea also of, I don't actually agree with the, with the view that someone's going to go on your website after you know a desire to know more about you. Perhaps and they met you at an event, or perhaps they responded to actually of all things a social media post and so on. They arrive on the website with the desire to know more about you. They see you know a little icon on the top right hand corner or the bottom left, whatever you've done, and then somehow they feel compelled to leave the website to go on social media. I don't believe this happens whatsoever. I think the likelihood is people glance, they get some form of reassurance that you are active on social media, but they're going to pursue their quest for knowledge and information and, and you know ways to trust you. Afterwards, indeed, for a second, third, fourth visit, they may say, do you know what? Actually, I don't want to miss out on any information. Let me find out a bit more about what they do on LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. And I use the icon. And I think for me then, back to your point about the feeds, 
if you are particularly proud, not only of your website, but you know the way in which you do things on a platform, then there should be actually a very strong and evident call to action to join you. And you could even mm-hmm. summarize the value of joining you uh, on social media and how that complements the, the website. Um, but there they are. I, I just can't you know, see, and maybe there's data that was going to prove me wrong. I can imagine someone going on your website, Johnny, they see the little IN in the corner, and that's, that's it. They leave to disappear on LinkedIn. I think I'm going to go, yeah, of course, Johnny's on LinkedIn. I, I, I must remember that. But let me pursue my website visit first and foremost. Yeah, yeah. yeah very much so. Uh I think it's I think it's all about, you know, you can create communities on social media. And if anything, you should be signposting people there. Yeah. So... Uh, you've guessed as much. I recommended that my clients ignore uh, these. Was, was it an advice? Was it a tirade <laughs> from that speaker? Uh, I'll never know. Um, but I'm going to ask you a follow-up question, if I may, Johnny, then, uh, parallel to that. So uh, we, we do rationalize. You know, I do recommend people remove a, a small number of, so we're left with maybe two or three good social networks. Um, the conversation right now is, so do I change the bluebird to X or do I leave the bluebird <laughs> What say you, Johnny Ross? <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think I think the answer is it does need updating, uh, and um, uh, my my answer is that uh, you know embarrassingly is my own website updated yet? Uh, I'm not sure, um, but my uh, I would I would absolutely uh, suggest that all websites uh, do update sooner rather than later because I think it's unfortunately a bit like seeing an old year in the footer. Um, and it just shows you that you're not as up to date as you should be. Yeah. Even though the URL is still 2020twitter.com forward slash whatever, and even though you may have to change it again when Elon Musk changes from X to something else. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, you've got a fair point. You've got a fair point. And, and listen, perhaps the speaker that was suggesting to remove those social icons is listening or watching right now mm. come and challenge us we we want to hear we want to know why we want to get into the detail we think you're wrong but we're also up for being challenged and so, for our viewers and listeners let us know where do you stand are you still with a bird or are you going with the x <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to website stories Thanks again for your reaction on the social media icons on or off the website. I want to get more reaction from you, Johnny, with this article from Think with Google. So Think with Google is probably the second or third kind of uh, appearance on, on the show. This great you know, platform based on data, research, and insights from, from Google. And I love the way they organize things on marketing strategies, future of marketing, online tools. And they also have a section on consumer insights. You know, they, they do test with Google AdWords. They do test on websites and so on. And this article w- was written by people who are part of the Research and Insights team, Tamara Boz, and I've got also Johnny, another Johnny, spelled like you actually, uh, Prothero. And they are both in charge of market insight for Europe, Middle East, and Africa for Google. And I liked the title because I think there was a kinship with um, what we, you and I stand for in terms of how to build a gold star website that boosts shopper confidence. So we talk about actually feeling proud of uh, the website as a website owner manager, but reversely, visitors also need to have an experience that gives them the confidence to make that buying decision. And the, this article is really a 
a summary of their findings by doing some test with an e-commerce website. Uh, this very practical example was looking to sell a, a sofa for you know, online visitors. And I love this idea of this uh, of being there to support the decision-making process and helping consumers navigate what they call the messy, messy middle and decide what to buy. So this idea, Johnny, of people left with options, but they are staring at the many options and they're not going further forward. And for us in business, you know, this hesitation phase or the do nothing phase is actually a big, big risk because, you know, days go by, months go by without getting the hit, reaching a sales target. So what has been interesting about this, this thing, so the argument being that if you know that there is some emotional kind of dimension to the buying decision, which I think has been well documented, can we apply some behavioral science and can we aid that decision-making process? So most people, when they launch the website, Johnny, they, they have that starting position, which they've coined in this article, the kind of bronze medal page. You know, So good starting point, you can't fault it, but what can we do to improve it and go from bronze to silver and from silver to gold? So with regard to the move from bronze to silver, what they're suggesting is these are simple, adjustments you can make that would really support that decision-making process. And you, again, using science from behavior and consumer insights. So number one, social proof and adding some elements or recommendations so that you can really make sure that people understand you've done this before and others just like me as consumers approve of the way you do what you do and the product. They also suggest that you've got to find ways to make information easier to digest, what they call cognitive ease. And that could be either reducing the number of words or improving the quality of the icons or reorganizing you know, the information you've got, things you have discussed many a time. One which I thought interesting in terms of uh, science, this idea of anchoring. So it may be that by the time your customers reach that particular landing page, they have re read, listened to, and watched other information. So to recap in, in summary format about what they've seen early on, the decision-making process seems to boost confidence. And then finally, they coined it emotional priming, this idea of you know making an emotional decision. And they are asking everybody, and I'm listening to add, you know, whilst this is obviously using the example of a business-to-consumer environment, you and I will always say that you can learn an enormous amount from that for the business-to-business to, to business environment, in fact, being to people. So updating and working very hard on the hero image is fascinating. And the example they showed, they, they did two examples where they were selling the sofa that was being used by a family having a wonderful time you know, in that living room. And then one hero image with just the sofa, and that image did better. And I can see you nodding because of your background in retail. And, and I know that was the case with me when I was working in travel. You can show a destination with lots of people in the hotel lobby and um, the swimming pool and so on. You can show the same venue empty and the empty pictures do better. It's fascinating, isn't it? So that will take you to silver. So how do you go from silver to gold and optimize a landing page and boost confidence? So what they're saying is find the number one concern your customers have. In the world of B2C, it's delivery. So they call this delivery friction, but find what, it, what, what the number one kind of concern and worry is for your industry and literally tackle it head on and write information, put images and icons that explain how you do what you do to remove that concerns. They have another one which is known to you and I and to many of our viewers and listeners, the paradox of choice. 
do not give people too many options. Otherwise, they will won't be able to decide and move on to the next stage. And they ask people to go back then from you know that silver to gold with the organization of images, copy, and so on, and make sure that composition and framing is just as it should be. And then, of course, you can supercharge all the principles earlier. But there was an interesting kind of ongoing thread throughout, you know, the gold, the bronze to, to silver to gold, which is investing in new photography regularly. And I think that's true for all sectors, no matter where they are. In fact, I was having a conversation only yesterday with a customer about their own photo photography. So the, the, the article is really great to read, and it's fast, and they have... Uh, visual examples, they have animations and so on, so you can really understand each of those little um, uh, kind of adjustments in, in C2. But the bottom line is, the argument is, if you can boost someone's confidence in making the right buying decision, you're going to vastly increase, of course, the experience of using their website. You can then yourself promote the website by being a great destination, and of course, you will increase sales. What I love is that the phrase behavioral science is being used. Uh, and I did a uh, a podcast only a couple of weeks ago about how behavioral science uh, drives um, D to C uh, e-commerce businesses. And it's about just getting into the head of your user, into the head of your audience, the, the potential client, the potential customer, and really understanding them and um, and, and optimizing to go from that, you know, uh, bronze, silver, gold. Uh, some of the things that um, that I was talking about a couple of weeks ago were are very much related. Um, so the, the whole thing of too much choice uh, is can be very off-putting. Um, and it's about, you know, if you can find a way to um, uh, collect data very early on when they arrive on your website, um, so, so a lot of a lot of websites have this sort of pop up that says, you know, give me your email address and we'll give you five percent off. Um, but perhaps if you were to ask one or two questions at the same time and really understand who that person is, and then take them to the perfect landing page and really home in on the choices for them, you know, are they looking for something practical? Are they looking for something fashion conscious? Are they looking for what what exactly are they looking for? Um, and and try and find that way to to limit choice. But one of the things that and and there was two other things that we talked about, um, which which feed into this. The, it was new to me the Pratt Fall effect. So the Pratt Fall effect was around uh, nobody's perfect, and it was uh, showing some kind of imperfection. So going back to uh, Guinness, if you think about the TV adverts, the imperfection they showed was how long it takes to pour a pint of Guinness. But they used that to really capture the imagination of uh, 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 of absorbing you into their world um, and how that can humanize the brand and make it more sort of authentic and, and realistic. And the, then the 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 um, the other thing that I got into, which was really interesting, uh, was I, I've always thought that you need to um, uh, use scarcity marketing to make things more difficult to buy because the more difficult it is, the more people want it. Um, and and one of the things that we talked about was um, purchase ceilings, so limited quantities. So you're only so I mean obviously it depends on what the business is, whether you know it's a service or product or whatever else. But if we're using e-commerce as an example possibly not sofas because you're probably not buying 10 sofas um but if you tell if you tell someone that the maximum number you can buy is three for example you'll find the data shows that the majority of people will buy more than if you hadn't have put a maximum number in so it's so it's really 
it, it, I, I love that we're thinking about the the behavior, the science behind it to then implement strategies into optimizing that landing page to ultimately get that conversion. Uh, and I can see how this all fits together. And I think the article that you've mentioned, I was just having a quick scan, um, it really would bring it to life. Anyone that's listening or watching right now that wants to just get a be better understanding of all of this, that article would be a really, really good place to start. I think so, because it would really stimulate conversation in the office and beyond with the extended team of your technical partners and so on. And I will really, really encourage people to read it, no matter you know your sector, even if you're in business or business, if you have a service, because the paradox of choice is still true. So I had a client who um, have that you know expert knowledge and they'd find different ways to package it but there were so many different packages that in a way it was even hard for them to remember uh, what was in it and the price and so on and I've seen examples where you go on a website which is service-based knowledge-based and they have one offer and one service and one package and I can guarantee you they're getting more inquiries because of that simplicity in, in the offering and then of course once once you're in front of the customer you can tailor you know uh, accordingly so uh, yeah like i said it's the second or third time that we have an article from uh, think with google but they are just so good every time and they relate directly to the performance of websites so very very happy talking of websites and, and performance let's move on to our third segment the website engine room Now, in each episode, joining us, surprise each other with an app, a solution, a software, maybe a piece of kit that can help us be more productive as website managers and website content creators. So what is your gem for this episode, Johnny? Well, this, you know, some of you may well be aware of it. I'm surprised I've not mentioned it in the series so far, but it just felt it's an important one to make sure that we do mention it. Hotjar, hotjar.com. It's a, a behavior analytics and user feedback tool. Very much relates to what we've just been discussing, to be fair. It helps you understand how users are interacting with your website. Uh, it offers heat maps, session recordings, and surveys to get insights into user behavior and feedback. You, It's a bit like Google Analytics. You can end up going down rabbit holes with it and sort of get lost in the data. But if you've got a very clear purpose in, in, in terms of, okay, this is the particular page of the website that we're trying to increase the conversion let's have a look at how users are using the, this particular page how are they what are they where are they scrolling to what are they clicking it, it even identifies uh, issues potential issues with the website as well where things don't work and perhaps a user has tried to do something that you hadn't realized uh, they might do um, and it's all about trying to understand uh, where users expect buttons to be, uh, and you can do some uh, A-B testing as well. So there's a free plan, and on the free plan, uh, there's quite a bit of data you can get out of it. It's hotjar.com. Uh, if you've not heard of it, you should absolutely add it to your website just to get a bit more of a, you've got the ability to see how your users use your website, and that helps inform the behavioral science side of things to ultimately increase conversion. I was smiling listening to you because um, you know we research separately, and then we come together when we go live, and we didn't discuss that we we're going to talk about behavior so much today. But uh, <laughs> that's just great. Now, Hotjar is a wonderful platform. Well, similarly for me, it's an oldie but a goodie. So I want to talk about SlideShare, which you can find on SlideShare.net, which is the, the the YouTube 
of professional presentations, documentations, and, and PDF. And I was having conversations. So a client of mine did a, um, did a talk at a conference. I've been pestering them to record the audio. So I managed to get, a, get, a, get a, a very simple Zoom audio recorder plugged into the, 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 the deck you know, from the AV company. They got the audio transcribed, it got edited, and they had an article. And um, he said, can you have a look? And yeah, you happy with the layout and so on? And he was saying, I'm just not sure what to put as the hero image, to use that term again. And I thought, well, I think you should put the slides up on it, you know, very visually stimulating. You spend a lot of money on the design and they don't give too much away. They've got, you know, the key where the key sentences and the sections. So somebody actually could just fly through the presentation, get a good idea of what the content is, but they'll have to read on the full version to get really the meaning of what you were talking about. And he would say, well, how, how do I do that? Do, do I go on Canva? Do I do this? And I said, no, you go on SlideShare. And like you, perhaps, you know, I sometimes I'm very guilty to assume people know this stuff because they've been around forever. I mean, SlideShare used to be owned by LinkedIn before before they were an indie. Now they, they're owned by Scribd. So literally, all of you, if you have presentations gathering digital dust on your computers, just get them on SlideShare to begin with and consider writing an article. And then what you can do with SlideShare, like you would with YouTube, I mentioned a moment ago, you can copy and paste the embed code, and this will appear on your web page. And people can just click on the left and right arrow to slide to go through through the slides. But particularly if it's very visual, that can really a, extend the length of stay on, on that web page, but show that you care deeply about someone's experience. So slideshare.net has been around forever and we should use it more. And I can categorically tell you that I get business uh, as as in uh, clients directly from slideshare. So as a, as a marketing channel, uh, I get leads that have come directly from slideshare. I've got possibly hundreds of presentations on there um and so yeah i love the idea of digital dust <laughs> uh, take them out of your hard drive take them out of dropbox get them online on slideshare embed them on your website it adds a ton of value and you never know you might open another door Thank you very much, Ellie. We've reached the final segment of our show, the website call to action, just after this. So this is about the one change, the one adjustment that you can make right now that would make a huge difference to your website and for you, once again, to get better results. So, Johnny, what is your recommendation? Well, as you say, we sort of both go off and do research and then we come together and actually, you know, we've come together even stronger than normal because uh, my website call to action fits right into where you started in terms of the uh, behavioral science and the, the choice paralysis on homing down and not giving someone too much choice. So my website call to action for this week is an enhanced autocomplete advanced filter search. So a search box on your website. People are used to using search. They use it on Google, they use it on Amazon, they use it on ChatGPT, they use search, they use a search box. Have you got a search box on your website? And more importantly, how does it work? So does it offer autocomplete? Does it offer most search? Does it does it try and shape what people are, are searching? And you've got the ability to shape it by having some autocomplete in there. And more importantly, what do the, does the results page look like? Is it relevant? And do you have filters to try and then home down, whether it be blog content, content whether it be articles, guides, whether it be products, whether it be services, 
what happens on that search page. So I, I, I'm saying there's no point having a search box for the sake of it, but have a search box where you can take people on a journey and ensure that the that it actually uh, the the usability and the design and the layout is just as good as the rest of your website because in most cases it's a lot worse because it's something that looks at that that people look at afterwards my my call to action is really look at how you could enhance and add filters into your search box and make the results page really stand out and have that wow factor what I like about it is back to what we do with the 90 day website mastery program is to show evidence say your approach to customer service and show that you care that what you do is thoughtful and you put the audience first and that's why my call to action mirrors a bit what you're saying which is sign day of being helpful in advance so I would have people to organize a meeting with um, the customer facing teammates you know so some of us sometimes are not always talking to the customers firsthand and um, you're going to have your colleagues who talk to them they see them regularly it could be via chat it could be face-to-face events and i would like people to list all the questions that they find themselves answering frequently so it's not the frequently asked question it's the frequently answered questions <laughs> and the idea being that then that gives you the structure for your next free ebook, because the the habit people got themselves into, and it's similar to what you said about the search, is what are the FAQs, and they just plonk them on the website. And sometimes they do something clever with drop down menus and whatever, but it feels very dry, very automated, and and not particularly uh, again thought out. But if you take the trouble to compile all those frequently answered questions with the answer in the way you do it normally into a free download where you can you know really in all your branding and all your wonderful visual experience with a call to action at the end to get in touch. That to me elevates again the experience for your visitors and it's clear evidence that the way you do what you do is a lot more caring and thoughtful than a competition. Brilliant. Well, what a jam-packed episode as always. And, you know, we started with social media icons, whether we should have them or not. Uh, We've then gone gone into the sort of gold standard of landing pages uh, and how to optimize the little tweaks that you can make to ultimately increase that conversion. Uh, We... That opened the whole behavioral science, which we've then uh, explored in terms of choice paralysis, uh, limited purchase, um, the the delivery friction. So making it, you know, and and, and bringing in all that social proof and and everything else um, to ultimately increase that conversion. And then we talked about slideshare.net, hotjar.com, and in the website call to action, we've covered the advanced search and organizing a meeting with your customer facing teammates to list all the questions they frequently answer which then turns into a brilliant ebook <laughs> i'll and do it all i'll do it, i'll implement it all this afternoon pascal no absolutely and, and i'm always um i say this every single time and we managed to do all of this in in half an hour which is really quite an achievement for you and i who are more familiar with long-form content it's very very good discipline to have and, and for me it's back to what we've been saying uh, all along throughout you know these episodes which is there, there will be you know a case case in point with with our you ask we answer there will be people with with really firm opinions and positions about things and actually step back a bit and ask yourself the question based on behavior 
you know, would my customers actually do that? Or would they react in that manner? Or is it just some strange urban myth that is just being, you know, passed around on the on the interweb and, and sometime at, at events as well? I think you should really um, trust yourself more and making those judgment calls because you know your customers so well. And so much so, taking on board what we've said today, instinctively pick one or two things that have jumped out for you and put them into action this afternoon or tomorrow or perhaps even next week, but no more than that. Within the next seven days, pick one or two things and start implementing. That's it for today. This was episode 17 of the new podcast series, the audio companion to the 90-day website mastery program. For more information, please visit 90daymarketingmastery.com and you'll be able to book your discovery call with either myself or Pascal. We'll be back with another episode. But in the meantime, feel free to send your questions, share your preferred apps and links to your website once you've made the changes we spoke about. And we'd love to give you a shout out. Let us know if you're going to be changing to the Twitter bird. Oh, sorry, changing from the Twitter bird to the X or sticking with the Twitter bird. But that's it. Bye for now, everyone. And we'll leave you with a fun video and audio montage whilst you go through your notes and actions. Take care.